There are many ways that God describes himself by his names and the different um, illustrations in the names that are given. And we're going to look at two here this morning that are very precious to us and really help us understand our relationship with the Lord Jesus. A party of tourists was from England and they were heading to the Middle East and the guide was giving them different background uh, information about the Middle East. And then he mentioned about some of the customs and he talked about uh, shepherds. Now he said, now you're accustomed here in England to see the uh, shepherd following, or, um, following the sheep as they go through the different lanes, as they go from one pasture to another. But in the Middle East, the shepherd always leads the sheep going on before the flock because there the sheep have been trained to know the voice of the shepherd. Well, they reached uh, the Middle East and to the amusement of the tourists, the very first flock of sheep and a shepherd they saw was a group, a, sheep, a flock of sheep being followed by the shepherd. Well, the guide was a little bit uh, frustrated and wondered what in the world. And so he stopped and confronted the, the shepherd. He says, how is it that you're driving these sheep? He said, I have always been told that Eastern, Middle Eastern shepherds lead their sheep. Oh, you're quite right, sir, replied the man. The shepherd does lead his sheep here. But you see, I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. <laughs> lot of difference uh, how sheep are handled. And I got good news for you. Jesus Christ leads his flock. And so we're going to be looking at that. Turn with me to John chapter 10, please, here this morning. John chapter 10, a wonderful passage that begins with a parable and then direct application uh, to himself in a little different way. And there's much that could be said about uh, this section, but we're going to see two beautiful designations of the great I am. Now remember, these are strategic designations by the Lord of Himself when He uses I am. Uh, the book of John, the Gospel of John, was written primarily to show the deity of Jesus Christ. So there is an emphasis on the description that the Lord Jesus gave of Himself as the great I Am. And every Jewish person knew exactly what He was saying. This is what infuriated uh, the Sanhedrin when Jesus uh, identified Himself with Jehovah God. And here He gives two different ways of designating Himself as the I Am. He's the door and He is the Good Shepherd. And these go together. That's why we're taking both of these names of the Lord. Now let me read the parable first. We're not going to dwell on this, but let me give this as background starting in verse 1 of chapter 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Now here is a picture uh, that doesn't parallel 
his teaching in the next part of the chapter. He is, uh, in fact, let me just read here uh, the, the difference. Uh, this is, uh, Boyce says this, We saw that there were two kinds of sheep pen. The first is the kind in view in the opening verses of this chapter. This kind of sheep pen was in cities and villages. It was fairly large, large enough to hold several flocks of sheep at any rate, and it was public. Moreover, it was fairly substantial. A sheep pen like this was in the care of a porter whose duty it was to guard the gate during the night and to admit the shepherds in the morning. The shepherds would call their sheep, each of whom knew his own shepherd's voice and would lead them out to pasture. We saw from the context of this parable that it was Jesus referring to his role in calling his own sheep out of Judaism, of course, perverted religion. And so this is not the kind of fold that we're going to see in a minute here. But it is wonderful when you have this picture of the shepherd calling the sheep and they know his voice. Clearly speaking of those that know him as Savior who have come into that relationship with him out of the religion of the day. At that time it was Judaism which was not uh, true uh, faith in Jehovah God and uh, the sacrifice of the coming Messiah but was a system of works and religion. And the Lord Jesus was giving the message of the truth and those that trusted Jesus knew his voice and develop that relationship with him. During World War II, excuse me, World War I, some Turkish soldiers tried to steal a flock of sheep from a hillside near Jerusalem. The shepherd had been sleeping and suddenly awakened to see a sheep being driven off on the other side of the ravine. Uh, he could not hope to recapture his flock and to force it single-handedly, but suddenly had a thought. Standing up on the other side of the ravine, he put his hands to his mouth and gave his own peculiar call, which he used each day to gather his sheep to him, just like we, uh, we just read about. The sheep heard the familiar sound. For a moment they listened. And then, hearing it again, they turned and rushed down one side of the ravine and up toward their shepherd. It was quite impossible for the soldiers to stop the animals. The shepherd was away with them to a place of safety before the soldiers could make up their minds to pursue them and all because his sheep knew their master's voice. And let me just say, folks, if you know Christ as Savior, you know his voice. You understand what it really means to have him as your Savior. You're not part of religion. Your focus is not on yourself or on a system. It is on you have a personal relationship with him, and he knows you, and you know him. That lays the foundation now for the text that we have uh, for our message here this morning. If you'll go back with me in the passage to verse 6. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things were which he spake unto them. Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By him, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am, there we have it again, but a different term, the good shepherd. 
the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, uh, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep. Isn't that wonderful? And am known of mine. Just reading the passage is almost good enough, isn't it? As you can just take that imagery, and this is the Lord Jesus Himself telling His disciples this, and all of us. This is not someone else telling us about the Lord. This is His own heart for us. So let's look at some simple points here today. The shepherd is the door. Um, and the picture here is of a smaller uh, stone encampment that would be out in the country in which there would be um, the protection for the sheep and then there would be the opening, the gate, but the shepherd himself was the gate. And we'll look at that in a, in a moment. But let's go back here uh, to verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, truly, I say unto you. Now let me stop here. The reason that we are so blessed in the personal relationship we have with the Lord Jesus after we are saved is that He is the Word. He is the true Word. Uh, in John 1, 1, the beginning of this chapter, uh, or this uh, book, the Gospel of John, it makes it very clear, in the beginning was the Word. He is the communication of God to us. And so in this relationship, in this caring oneness that He has with us, we have then the truth that we need in every aspect of our life. You know, we read Psalm 23, He leadeth beside the still waters. He uh, uh, the green pastures, that, all of those beautiful pictures. Well, this occurs, the shepherd is able to do that by giving his very heart and what is on the mind of eternal, omnipotent God. And uh, so he is the revelation of God's heart. Uh, at that time, it was very, it was well known that the word, word, uh, translates the Greek word logos. This was a term already known to thinking people uh, when the Lord uh, had this written. And everywhere in the Greek-speaking world, the writings of Plato were circulated. And this is very interesting. At this time, he wrote this. He had spoken of the insolvability of many mysteries, but had expressed the hope that someday there would come forth a logos from God that would make everything clear. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm the Word. I am the Logos. I have the revelation. I have everything that mankind needs to know. Man is not alone. He is not isolated. We have the truth. Folks, if you just realize, and we need to remind ourselves all the time, that book in your lap is from the heart of the omnipotent, all-powerful God. You have what man could never figure out. Science cannot observe enough to know it. Man's philosophies cannot even get one little 
millimeter on the road of understanding the mind and heart of God. And God chose to give it to us, and we have it. And Jesus himself is the revelation of the word. And so his desire is to communicate the word to us, and that is a glorious thing. And therefore, he wants to protect his flock from falsehood. If you look at verse 8, all that ever uh, came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Now, we as believers should have discernment about the uh, false teaching of our day. But unfortunately, many believers, because they're not walking in fellowship with the Lord, with all the information coming through technology and all the books that are written and all the different influences out there, find themselves being led astray. And, uh, but if we will walk with God and be immersed in the truth, God will, Jesus will protect us. Now, Satan is endeavoring to attack the flock. 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. This is speaking of those that have claimed to know the Lord. Uh, folks, it is so important that you hear, hear your shepherd's voice. That you understand that he is the door. He will protect the fold of the sheep. But we've got to allow him to do that. And when we walk self-willed and we allow ourselves to be immersed with the entertainment and technology and all the blogs and everything that are not from a godly biblical perspective, after a while Satan has all he needs to begin to turn us aside from a walk with God that is pure and biblical. And uh, now even though he's a defeated foe, he still is a foe. According to the doctors at Good Samaritan Regional Medical Center in Phoenix, Arizona, rattlesnakes thought to be dead can still strike, bite, and kill you. Doctors in Phoenix say they have a large number of patients admitted each year suffering from bites from rattlers thought to be dead. Sometimes the snakes were shot and their heads cut off, but the snakehead re re retains a reflex action. And one study showed that snakeheads could still make striking type motions for up to 60 minutes after decapitation. Well, Satan's head was crushed at the cross. Praise the Lord. But God has allowed him in the kingdom of darkness to still operate. Thankfully, Jesus sits on the throne and we are in the kingdom of light. We have been transferred into that. But he still is a very real foe. And we must understand we need the protection uh, the minute we think we stand, we are in trouble, folks. We have to be immersed in the Word. Listen, you can't live in today's humanistic secular culture without being immersed in the Word of God. And that is, it's not just knowing the facts, but living it out and seeing God change you uh, step by step, faith to faith in your life. And then the discernment comes. You know, it's amazing to me. I've talked to new Christians, not saved, but more than a few months. And uh, they'll see something, hear something. Uh, be confronted with something and immediately they know that's not right. Well, it's because they're walking with God. But Christians who've been saved for a while that have been in the flesh for a while, Satan can bite. And uh, he's going to try to take us down. The thing he fears more than anything is a spirit-filled believer with the power of God upon him. And so Christ himself 
protects. Going back there, he said, I am the door. Verse 7, I am the door. And verse 9, I am the door. Um, and so it's, a, uh, it's very important. On one occasion, um, this writer saw a shepherd leading his flock up the hill. He led them to the fold and made them comfortable. And then uh, Dr. Smith said, do you leave the sheep in this fold all night? Yes. But aren't there wild beasts around? Yes. Won't they try to get the sheep? Yes. Well, you have no door here. How can you keep the wild beasts out? But the Arab shepherd lay down on his side and he settled himself in that entryway and he looked up and smiled and said, I am the door. You see, no wild beast could enter without awakening him and no sheep would ever go out over his body. And so folks, that's a beautiful picture. He says, I am the door. I am the way into knowing God. And I am the protection from all those that are going to endeavor to keep you from knowing God. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. Jesus Christ ever lives to make intercession for us. He is personally aware of every believer here in a very unique way. Um, far more intense than even a parent keeping an eye on the child. He intimately knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows the intricacies of how we are made. He knows our areas of susceptibility and our background and all of these things. And when he says, I am the door, you can be guaranteed that if you look to him, you will be protected. But we've got to be looking to him. And so it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Number two, the shepherd is the true life. Being the door, he is the way into life. If you look with me at verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The good shepherd, as the door, is the way. Remember last week, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, folks, there's not a system to get to God. Jesus is how you get to God. He's the, that's who we believe on for our salvation. But Christian, again, there's not a system to get into fellowship with God. Jesus is the door. He allows, as we fellowship with him through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are brought right into an intimate relationship with God. He is making it very clear. The fullness of your salvation is realized by His personal involvement in your life. Now, of course, here we have, first of all, He imparts eternal life. Uh, and uh, this is uh, very critical for us to understand. We are saved from eternal death and the judgment of hell. Uh, verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Because of what Christ did, we have eternal life. Folks, the greatest thing you fear, even though you don't think about it necessarily that much, is the fact that you could die. Well, I hate to tell you, you are going to die. Okay? So we better get that thing settled. Uh, Except if the trumpet were to sound. And that certainly is the great hope that we have. But the fact is we have to come to that. But 
when we're saved, we are given eternal life the moment we are saved. For life itself, himself, comes in to dwell. If you're saved, you are sealed with life. I am sealed with life. You're immortal. Did you hear that? You are, going, you are right now living for eternity. You'll have a little blip in your life called death and you'll be heading into the next phase of life. And really, honestly, that's how we need to look at it. Obviously, there are opportunities we do not want to miss uh, in this life. But He gives us life. And eternal life in heaven is our future. I love 1 John 5.13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Listen, a believer who's truly saved knows they have eternal life because they have eternal life. You know, some of the simple gospel songs, uh, how do you, um, I know he lives, he lives within my heart. I know it because I've got life. I'm no longer in spiritual darkness. I don't look at my works. I don't look at anything else. I just know my relationship with the Lord. I'm depending upon him and I have been saved. And that's what God wants for every one. And it's a glorious thing. Lord William Russell, when he was on the scaffold about to be beheaded, took his watch in the pocket and gave it to Dr. Burnett who was attending him with the remark, my time peace will be of service to you. I have no further occasion for it. My thoughts are fixed on eternity. And you can think like that when you know the Lord. We are eternally alive. And it's a glorious reality in honor of St. Patrick's Day. A passing a cemetery one day, an Irishman paused at the startling inscription on a tombstone he read the words, I still live. After scratching his head in puzzlement for a moment, the Irishman said, be jabbers, if I was dead, I'd be honest enough to own up to it. <laughs> Missing the point, of course. Uh, that tombstone as a believer, I live. I live. That's why even though when dear ones go to be with the Lord, if they're uh, Christians, we certainly suffer because they're not with us. But they live, they live, and we will live, and it's just glorious. We are just in this little part of our journey into eternity because our Savior loves us. And uh, He is the door into life. And uh, Revelation 7, 16, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the light, sun light on them nor any heat, for the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. Isn't it wonderful to know the Lord? Never lose the wonder of it all to have that glorious reality. But friend, if you're here and don't have confidence, I would encourage you before you leave this morning, Jesus is ready. He is the Good Shepherd. He is the door. He's the way to God. I urge you to trust him today. But then also he imparts abundant life. We saw that there in the latter part of verse 10. Full fellowship with the shepherd gives us abundant life. I have come that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd that gave my life for the sheep. And uh, all this abundant life. Everything you are made to be, you can have once you have trusted Christ, you have the Spirit of God, you have the Word of God. God has provided all that you need to live now. 
Remember, eternal life started at your salvation. God does, doesn't want you just to be thinking of it in light of when you get to heaven. God wants to give us an abundant, overflowing life right now. That's one of the great truths of our salvation. Oh, how the uh, uh, Apostle John, who God used to write the gospel here and then wrote the first epistle to John, all three epistles, he says there at the beginning of that book, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our eyes have handled of the word of life. For the life, the life, note that, was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard and declare, uh, heard, declare we unto you that ye may also note this, have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, His Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. That's the Christian life. John didn't have Jesus physically there anymore. He had Him in, in His spirit. And he had abundant life, this fellowship with God. Folks, when we're right with God and do not listen to the lie of the devil and do not let the siren call of the world cause us to be thinking temporally, but we yield completely to him, we are drawn by the Spirit into fellowship with the Son and we are actually in an, in an intimate relationship with the Trinity and we can live the created purpose for our lives before we even get to heaven. There's glory in the Christian life. There's power in the Christian life. There's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance in the Christian life. There is an abundant life ready for any believer that is willing to trust God. And there's a tragedy when we stay in our selfish perspectives and will not let God work in our hearts and live according to the limited enjoyments of this world and wonder why we're empty. We wonder why we're dry. We're one wonder why we struggle with anxiety. It's because we are not living out why the purpose for which we are created. God has a purpose for us that has eternal ramifications. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I remember when these verses came alive to me early on. And when I was 15, the Lord worked and I gave my life to Jesus. Thankfully, my parents had taught me to have devotions. I was very methodical in having my devotions. I read my Bible through since second grade uh, every year, uh, and I'm very thankful. However, some of the reading uh, prior to 15 was rather methodical. Though I got a lot out of it, it still was not, didn't mean anything. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, and the Spirit of God began to make things real, I can think back right now, and I just get stirred, that my little room there on the first floor, Jesus met with me. I began to realize he loves me. He's my shepherd. And life began to be abundant. And I remember he showed me this was one of the first passages that I preached on as a teenager, that he came to give us life more abundantly. I remember not uh, just being thrilled about having the opportunity for the next day to spend some more time with God. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. And when you begin to just awaken to what your life is and what it means, folks, it makes all the difference. And so uh, that's what the Lord wants to do for us. And thirdly, lastly, the shepherd is the sacrifice. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. 
Folks, we must understand that our loyalty must be to the Lord, not because of what we gain. I just told you a lot of great things that we gain. But he died for us. He's my shepherd. He's the door to the flock into a relationship with God. The suffering of Jesus Christ was real. He gave his life. God who is life. How could he face death and judgment being the holy God and the eternal life? But he did it through the incarnation because you are that important. When he says, I am the good shepherd, he means it. He has proven it. He wants to be your good shepherd. He is absolutely intense on giving himself fully to you because he gave everything for you and for me. Oh, these disciples didn't fully understand it. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He is the sacrifice for the sheep. And uh, it's such a wonderful thing. Hebrews 9, 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, purge your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. As one writer said, the blessings of this life and heaven too, nor can we forget that this was achieved for us by one who himself became a lamb in order to die for us. Think about that. So that we might be able to enter into the fullness of such great salvation. Remember, he's the great shepherd of the sheep, but he became a lamb, fully identified with us so that we can have his life. Folks, we are his children. We have his life. We will be with him for eternity. That's how much he loves us. Don't ever question the love of Jesus Christ for you if you're saved. Don't ever question it. No matter what the circumstances, he proved it on the cross. He loves the whole world because he died for the whole world. And uh, he is continuing to give himself so that we can have everything he so dearly paid to obtain for us. Count Zinzendorf that had that great revival there uh, at Herrenhut, uh, just a tremendous uh, blessing. He owed much of his spiritual fervor to the casual sight of the picture of the crucifixion with the simple inscription at the bottom, all this for thee, how much for me? And how, in other words, a whole idea of we need to give ourselves. But as he says here, there are those that are hirelings and not the shepherd. There are many that Satan, verse 12, are, are trying to, that don't care about the sheep or are going, uh, trying to destroy the sheep and they don't see the wolf coming and they leave the sheep and flee and the wolf catches them and scattereth the sheep and the hiring fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I'm telling you today when you have all of these who call themselves pastors and leaders and are just totally capitulating to our culture and are letting sheep being to be torn up by the world, that's not the heart of the good shepherd. Satan's messengers, he is opposite of Satan's selfish messengers. He, uh, they don't have concern for the sheep. 
The Bible likens Satan to five different animals. He's a serpent trying to deceive God's people. He's a bird trying to despoil God's harvest. He's a wolf trying to defeat God's flock. He is a lion trying to devour God's children. He is a dragon who tried to destroy and will try to destroy God's son in Revelation. Ye are of your father the devil, Jesus said in John 8, 44. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and a father, the father of it. I just want to tell you, if you at all are outside of the will of God right now, and you're not really living for God, you must understand that Satan and this world is not your friend. This, uh, Satan is a murderer. He wants to destroy your life. And anyone who, when they get right with God, it's honest, they'll say, everything I thought that was important was destroying me. Before we are saved, he tries to destroy our soul by keeping us blinded. But after we're saved, he wants us to turn away from the shepherd because he knows if we'll fall in love with the shepherd and know what abundant life is, God is going to be able to use us to bring life to many others. Oh, he personally knows his sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Oh, the wonderful truth, J.H. Jowett, the prince of preachers, he was a tremendous preacher. He talked about uh, uh, we don't realize the intimacy of a shepherd. And he spent some time in Syrian um, and uh, in southern Europe with shepherds and watch the close communion the shepherds have with their flock, how carefully they take care of them, and that they speak to them in different sounds. They know each one. They know when they have, have, uh, have lost one. They, they spend their time together. They crowd around him for rest. At night when the darkness is falling, he gathers them into the fold and is the protection at the door. Folks, that picture was said by Jesus. That's how he thinks about you. You're in his fold. Did you know this, these last 24 hours, he's been your protection just like a shepherd across that doorway? He is the door. He's been endeavoring to feed you and guide you and take care of you. And he has been stopping Satan from trying to, to wreck you. But if you're not in cooperation with him, then things do happen. But this is what Jesus says. He knows us by name. Well, friends, how do we respond to that? How much do we love Jesus? Let me just ask you, how do you view Jesus here this morning? How important is he to you? How much do you really love him? How much time do you focus on him? Is he leading you? Do you hear his voice? Are you aware of his protection? Friends, you'll never find what you're looking for if you look for anything else than Jesus. Let's bow for prayer.